Stephen Pritchard, it is time for Thursday Finance and we're going to start off with uh, commodities and things. How are they travelling at the moment? Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty much the same as last week. Um, the, the gold price was, was up $4.67 to um, $1,627 an ounce, um, so no real change there. The copper price was up a bit 2.7% to $8,169 a tonne, and the crude oil price was up $4.50 to $101.84 a barrel, so it's back up $100 a barrel. Um, um, the the um, US dollar, yep. Australian against the US dollar, um, we, we continue with 73.51 cents. Yes, it hasn't varied a lot in uh, the last few months, has no, it? No, well, if you go back to... The beginning of the finance year it was seventy three point five five. So there's been a bit of various, you know, within a cent range over the last six months. So mm. um, the great the the Great British Pound we're fifty six point nine one cents against the euro we're sixty three point three nine euros, which you know is pretty similar to last week. So there's mm-hmm. no big movements in the currency. Mm-hmm. Um, and the All Ordinaries Index, um, you know, it was down 38 points on the week to 6,373, which really is, you know, half a percent, so it's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, the S&P Index was 2,861, which was up uh, almost a 1% of the week. Um, the UK Index was, was up 17.9 points to 7,574. And the Hang Seng was up 827 points to 27,927. Mm, what um, about stocks that local stocks people the, are the, interested the, in? The, the wealthy local investors like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, BH, BHP's down um, 76 cents on the week to $32.08, which is a bit surprising considering they came out with a reasonable result and announced an increase in dividend. Um, CBA CBA was down $2.24 on the week to $71.88. Um, you know, continuing issues with Royal Commission and revelations made there. So it's not too surprising you're seeing some volatility in the CBA stock. Um NIB NIB was down six cents on the week, which is a bit surprising because they they came out with a good result, which we'll talk about later. So they're at six dollars forty two. So that's you know it's almost up a dollar since um, beginning of July. NIB yeah. um, a lot of local holders there, and and Telstra Telstra's been making a bit of recovery, up twenty one cents for the week to three dollars twenty seven. Okay, so they're over the three dollar uh, mark. Well, over the three dollar mark yeah. again. And okay, we'll need confidence. that to pay for your fuel price um, because because the fuel price is up five cents a litre. Yes. So it's a dollar fifty one point six. Yes. I think we're going to have to start getting bikes to ride over to the radio station. Here. Well, that's not a bad yeah. idea anyway. It's got lots yeah. of benefits. <laughs> Uh, except we haven't got all that time. <laughs> and the Sydney fuel price was down 6.8 cents a litre to $1.45. So so there's 6 cents a litre difference between Sydney and Newcastle. Uh, the diesel price is pretty much the same, $1.50 to a litre in Newcastle and $1.50 in Sydney. This is Thursday Finance. 
And a little later on, we'll be talking about the top 10 questions in super when Ian Moranti joins us. But right now, it's time for our market update. And Henry Jennings is overseas at the moment. So Stephen Pritchard's got the good oil for us. Let's start off, Stephen, with uh, something that's perhaps a spin-off from the Royal Commission into Banking. AMP certainly didn't fare very well in that regard. What are they up to now? So, so the, what happened with AMP is um, the um, CEO resigned, shortly followed by a couple of directors and eventually the chairman, and then David Murray became the new chairman. He was previously the CEO of the Commonwealth Bank back in the early 2000s before they had all their current problems. Yep. So, 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 um, so anyhow, so David Murray's looked around the world and they've come up with a new um, CEO that they're appointing who's starting the next couple of months, and his name, Francesco Di Ferrari, and he was previously uh, head of private banking for Credit Suisse in Asia. And one of the reasons they selected him was that after he finished university, he went to India and built housing for lepers. Okay. So they think he's a, looks at things from a different perspective and is an agent of change. So his basically job is to redesign AMP's business model and to restore trust in the AMP brand. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how he goes because I, I think that's going to be... A big job, big, big challenge. A big job. But he's taken it on. But he's okay. taken it on. Oh, very well paid, I might. Very well paid. Well, of course. Yeah, all the, well all yeah. executives seem to be, don't but, they? You know, you know, you want to ask, you know, the shareholders in AMP haven't done any good. The customers in AMP haven't done any good. So who has done any good? Uh, yes, well, dot, dot, dot. Anyhow. Now, in the telecommunications industry, there's a bit of a, a potential um, shake Yeah, Yeah, well, 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 a while ago... Oh, probably 18 months ago, TPG announced that they were going to build Australia's fourth um, mobile phone network and, and go into competition with um, Telstra, Optus and Vodafone. Um, and Vodafone had a small network which wasn't commonly used up here, I don't think, because there wasn't very good reception. So anyhow, so, so, so TPG is now having discussion with Vodafone to merge its um, mobile phone networks together or... Um, and create Australia's new third telecommunications joint. Okay, giant, so. sorry. Yeah, so so in the US there's four major mobile phone networks, and the talk is generally if four major phone networks can barely survive in the US, how can four networks survive here? So I think the idea is that TPG and Vodafone together are going to, well, the theory is that they're going to have a profitable business. Um, the, the merger discussions are just going on at the moment, so... Mm. so you know, there's probably a long way to go without regulatory approvals and other and bits I, and pieces. I did see that there are a number of jobs going in the telecommunications industry generally across all the providers, and I suppose that's something to do with finding it hard to make. Ah, uh, yeah, and, and there's more technology. A lot of the stuff that was hardware is now done by, by computer switching and increased technology gets rid of those jobs. And I also would have thought as the MBN rolls out, um, the jobs will disappear from that and then all the people who are employed to set up the MBN, all those jobs will disappear eventually mm-hmm. until they have to go back and replace the last bit with fibre. <laughs> yeah, now that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Now, you did say we'd speak a little bit more about NIB. Yeah, so NIB had a good result. They're, they're up, um, uh, uh, as, the, as the CEO calls it, the little old NIB. It's uh, managed to increase its profit by 11.1% to uh, 133.5 million. 
which is which is a good result when you look at ERB. I mean, you know, it started as a mutual over at BHP to provide um, health insurance for the BHP workers, and BHP is long since gone, but but NRB is still here, and um, it's raised its dividend five point three percent to twenty cents per share. And you know, when it first came on the market. Um, People were selling lots of shares at eighty cents, and those people who who were fortunate enough to hold out onto them now find that the shares are um, worth six dollars forty, and they're and they're getting a twenty cents a share dividend on that 80, 80 cents a share originally, which they got really for free. So mm-hmm. investors in NIB and particularly people have done quite well. Thanks. So NIB has to be one of the local success stories, I think. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Uh, in the meantime, one of the two big supermarket giants, Woolworths, has some good news. Perhaps. Yeah, Woolworths seems to have seems to be going from strength to strength. I mean, um, the the profit the profits increased by twelve and a half percent to to one point seven billion. Um, you know, if you go into Woolworths stores, you can definitely see that that well, the, the couple I kind of go into Market Town and. Um, yeah. Westville Katara occasionally. Um, you can definitely see there's a big improvement in the stores, which is which is improving from in the, in their sales. So the interesting thing, of course, is Woolworths sales are going up. The market, sh- the grocery market's not growing that fast. The sales must be coming from somewhere. So anyhow, uh, the profit was up twelve and a half percent to one point seven billion, and the, the Woolworths has decided to pay a special ten cents a share dividend on their previous high dividend rate now. So, so investors are holding more shares, have done quite well over the last couple of years. And all the people who were pro, pro, you know, proposing that the Woolworths was doomed and have all have all been proven to be wrong. And, and, and in the US, I mean, Amazon you know, has bought a grocery business over there called Wholesale Foods, and it's struggling. So I, I, I don't think that that a lot of people want to still go into the shops and buy their their groceries and their fresh fruit. And and, and I think it's going to be a long time before you see these, um, you know, online ordering from groceries having a big effect on the big um, grocery retailers. You still have the shops there to wander into. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's been selling groceries in the US for, you know, 10, 15 years, and the market shares less than 1%. Mm, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So when they talk about Woolworths' profit, does that include things like Big W Yeah, and the it's other? a whole group. Okay, yeah, so it's not still, just the well, Big W's had a turnaround. Um, they're still talking about selling it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Time mm. will tell. And, of course, there's the liquor shops and the other... All the oh, other I mean, yeah, so mm-hmm. there's the, the Woolworths group. is There's the supermarkets, of course. There's mm-hmm. the... Dan Murphy's, which is another successful story, um, BWS, which is the, the smaller liquor outlet, and Big W. Um, I think they've got, yeah. A couple and, of other things. And they're also well. doing wholesaling now to smaller shops. Okay, yeah. so they're, they're a big concern. Yeah, Woolworths is just not just the shipping. The, mm. the supermax is a key profit in that. Mm. Mm. This is Thursday Finance on 2NURFM and Stephen Pritchard, we're going to get the good oil on super, superannuation with Ian Moranti who is from Nationwide Superannuation Fund. You've got some questions, the top 10 questions. Yeah, I thought we'd, we'd put a list of questions together that we tend to get asked um, uh, by, by a lot of people and we, we might just go through that and Ian can provide uh, some of the answers to yeah. to to help. Yes. Um, so so one of the questions that, that the most 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 commonly asked is um, 
how much superannuation do I need at retirement? And the answer to that's like, uh, you know... A piece of string. piece of string with no end. <laughs> you agree yeah. with that, Ian? Uh, I certainly do, Jane. Um, yes, it's a very uh, common question and one that... Uh, has a little bit of science behind it, and it's worthwhile just going through some basic points to uh, put that into context. And starting with the fact that once you stop work, uh, your income in retirement is basically going to come from a couple of different sources. That would be uh, your superannuation, uh, age pension if you have an entitlement there, and possibly from investments. So for most people's superannuation is going to be a very important part of their retirement income. Uh, A group called ASFA, which is the Association of Super Funds of Australia, do a a calculation uh, four times a year on different income levels uh, for retirement. Um, The basic income level, if you're relying solely on the age pension, is just under 32000 per annum for a couple. The ASFA calculation on a what they call a modest retirement is just under $40,000 uh, per annum for a couple. Or what they deem to be a comfortable retirement is just over 60000 per annum. So you can see there's a fair difference in those different uh, levels of uh, comfort or income in retirement. And each of those is going to mean that you've got a uh, the options that you have in using that income are going to be very different. So rather than just arrive at retirement and find out that um, you're going to be very limited in the options that you have from a financial point of view, it's a good idea to start doing a little bit of thinking, pre-planning about uh, what is you're going to be able to do with your uh, super. And a good starting point is to have a budget and that's not something just for retirement it's a good idea good practice for everyone to have a budget but uh, the budget will give you an idea of what money you need to cover essential expenses plus also if there are discretionary items that you want uh, having those in the budget will give you an idea of the annual income that you'll need Uh, the next step would be to estimate the age that you'd like to retire at because if you're looking at retiring at at 60 um, the lump sum needed is going to be a lot more than if you're planning to work, for instance, till 70. So uh, it's a good idea to start doing a bit of thinking about retirement age. Uh, and the lump sum will be determined, of course, by your income needs and your age. Um, it's a good idea to get some advice on what the outcomes might look like for retiring at a few different ages and at a few different income levels. It'll give, it'll give you a range then of uh, maybe the the best option and the worst option or something that you wouldn't be able to uh, to live with. So then uh, compare the lump sum needed to fund your income with your current projected super payout. And a lot of funds now are including a retirement projection on their annual statements uh, and that'll give you an idea of if your current circumstances continue unchanged what that lump sum might look like. Uh, you might need to put some uh, adjust your income expectations or put some strategies in place to increase your lump sum, particularly if you have time on your side. So most funds will help you uh, starting to work through these different uh, factors. 
Uh, you can start by doing that over the phone or at face-to-face meetings. And ASIC also have uh, quite a useful calculator called a retirement planner calculator on their Money Smart uh, website. And that's uh, ASIC, so it takes about five minutes to do that, uh, to use that calculator. Uh, it looks pretty easy to use, uh, so if anyone's got access to uh, the internet and the Money Smart uh, calculator on the ASIC website, well worthwhile as a good starting point. It's not very technical, uh, and it'll give you a good starting point for, for looking at that uh, retirement income and lump sum. So so with these um, ASFA numbers on the, the comfortable, modest and levels of income for retirement, is... is does the ASFA website have a definition of what what that means? Yes, it does, yes. Um, a modest, uh, give, actually gives some examples, Stephen. On, That's what I'm after, yes, yeah. yeah. If you're on a modest income, it says that you um, may not be able to buy a new car, but you'll be able to uh, like repair a current car where a comfortable retirement might include buying a new car every uh, X number of years. So it does give you examples. Yeah, of so it gives you, like, you, by going through that, you can work out whether you have to eat... Uh, dry crackers or yes, tin yeah. tabs or something like that. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So people can just go on that website and 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 see what the definitions are and see yes. what they want to spend and they, whether they want these yeah, overseas yeah. trips and that will then come back to that. Yeah. And of course, the other thing to remember about these um, projections is that there's a lot of variables in these projections and and you need to to regularly go back and visit this because the further out you're going right the the the, the um more unreliable the projection Correct. comes yes. i mean yep. it's it's a good guide it's better than nothing but we you know you put in a an earning on the fund of i don't know a balance funds probably doing seven percent this yep. year um but but you know I don't know what the balance fund's going to do in two years. I mean, I can't even tell you what the term deposit down at the building society mm. is going to be in two years. So you can't really rely on these projections, do one now, and then come back in 10 years and say, oh, oh, it's completely different. That, that's mm. going to happen. But you need to start and you need to at least annually, hopefully, at least yeah, annually. So, yeah. Even just starting with information that's available now, that means that you've got time on your side. Um, yep. So it's the, it's the best information available, so uh, work on that. This is Thursday Finance, and uh, we are talking about superannuation and all the things that, well, Stephen, that you found people want to know about it. And, of course, yes, there's plenty of those. So, and Ian Moranti is helping us out with the answers. And... Um one of the one of the things, of course, you know, after you've done this calculation of, of of how much super you actually need, and then you look up your statement and find out there's a big difference. Um, how do you go about solving the difference between those those uh, numbers? That's a that's a great question, Stephen. Um, one of the things that you can do is to uh, work out what impact additional contributions to your super will make, and uh, going back to the Money Smart website that I mentioned uh, just earlier, it also has an allowance in there for the impact of making additional contributions. Uh, and for instance, a person aged 35 contributing an additional $10 per week through to age 67 can increase their 
lump sum at retirement by uh, just under $19,000, but and that's assuming a very uh, conservative growth uh, per annum of 4.8%. So $10 per week, that's $5, uh, sorry, $2 per day for five days, uh, give you a break over Saturday and Sunday, um, but uh, it can make a difference, and if you multiply that $10 or got multiples, it just um, you can make a significant impact on your uh, payout. Yeah, so this is this is kind of the magic of compounding interest, which Correct, we spoke yes. about some time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Albert Einstein. I didn't know Einstein described compound interest as one of the eighth wonder of the world yes, or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. by 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 putting a small amount, additional amount in over a long time period, the the amount compounds up, and and you know if if you've got money in there, um, and and it earns ten percent return, it doubles in every uh, seven years. Yes. So if it's earning five percent, it's probably doubling every twelve years. So so um, you put this money in, um, and you know, you, 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 and there's also the concessional tax on this as yeah. well. So. And you've got the option, too, of making those contributions from either uh, pre-tax salary sacrifice arrangements, which, as a bonus, may reduce the amount of tax that you're paying through payroll, or making after-tax contributions or even spouse contributions. So there's a few different options there of getting additional contributions into your super. Yeah, and it may be if you're at, at, at the... Um, at the uh, um, uh, maximum deductible super contribution limit, you you might think about making some personal contributions on your wife's account now that you can you can claim those contributions yes, personally as well. Yep. Yeah. And the thing with uh, after tax contributions too, you can make them as one offs during the year. Uh, if you find out that you've been able to uh, squirrel away a little bit of uh, spare money, uh, you can always make that as a, a one off contribution to your super fund. And so the other big thing that, that affects the end outcome for superannuation balances besides the money going in is the investment returns and the investment option you select. Um, and there's a whole range of these investment options offered by most funds these days. So, so how does that all work? Um, all funds offer a range of investments. Uh, generally, uh, at one end of the scale, there'd be a typical cash investment, uh, but of course, the return on those at the moment reflects the uh, rates that are being earned on term deposits and money in the bank. So effectively you're looking at somewhere, being realistic, probably between 1% and 2% uh, return on a cash option through to a high growth option, which might typically have 85 or 90% growth assets in it. And some of those are getting up towards the, say, 11, 12, 13% return for in the, the, this past year. And between those, there's a, a range of options that have a, various combinations of growth and defensive assets in them. Um, you also have options such as uh, ethical options, uh, where if you feel that the environmental and social factors are important for you, then you can invest your money in an ethical option. Um, as a general rule, the younger you are, the more exposure you can have to uh, growth options. You've got time to uh, last out any ups and downs and volatility in the market, whereas the closer you get to retirement, you're probably looking at not 
being exposed to that volatility? Yeah, so generally the, the general thoughts are that, that when you're younger, you should have a far larger proportion of your portfolio into the, the growth assets in the fund, which is generally regarded as your, your shares, the international shares and the Australian shares, property, um, maybe some infrastructure assets. Yep. And then as you get older, you move those, uh, those that asset allocation across to your, your cash and fixed interest because they kind of wash out the market cycle. So, yes, so in the equity market, you, you know, you might get thirteen percent this year, you might get negative five percent mm. next year. And, and, one, and one of the big problems, of course, is this thing called the latest term sequence or risk. Yeah. Is that if you're a retiree and you've got this large amount in your growth assets, um, and you're starting your pension, and then the the, the equity market's downturn and everything you, you, you have some bad luck and you, you, your balance to your fund falls 10 or 15 percent and, you, and you're drawing down your pension as well yes uh, a lot of funds have an option too where you can actually split your super uh, between different options so you don't have to have all of your eggs <laughs> in one basket mm-hmm. and that might be a, uh, something for people to consider prior to retirement to uh, isolate some of your uh, benefit or some of your pension in a more conservative option, but still allow mm-hmm. uh, because in retirement you're going to be retired hopefully for maybe you know 40, 50 years. So uh, it's not as if you're going to uh, get your lump sum and then just uh, you know need it all in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, we've just got a question here. That was the I assume you you you're talking about the, the they're asking about the one. That tells you what income you need with the various expense, expense levels. Yeah, so that's the um, the Australians. The, well, the ASFA one is uh, the uh, it's ASFA ASFA, uh, the Association of Super Funds of Australia, and uh, so they have the uh, information on their uh, retirement guide and uh, the other. Uh, website was the ASIC Money Smart one. Yeah, so the ASIC Money Smart one does all the calculations, yep. and the other 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 site defines what level of income you want and how much in, how much living what standard you mean, get yes. to support yep. that. So whether yep. you can have an overseas trip or whether you can have a new car or an old car or or, or, or Tim Tams or, yes. or, or dry crackers, <laughs> right? Um, that will tell you that by looking at what your expenditure is and you can work back to your income needs. Yep. And then you can pop across to the uh, Asset Money Swap website and do some calculations there. Mm. Sounds good. Excellent. I think. Now, what's our next question? Uh, and the other big thing that affects your returns, which, which doesn't actually affect your returns but, but will erode your returns if you're not careful, is when you change jobs. So let's just... We've got two minutes to talk about what happens when you change jobs and what you need to watch out for. Um, everyone, um, when I say everyone, most people would have an, are entitled to have a, uh, a choice over their super funds and there's far too much what they call lost super at the tax office and a lot of it has been because people have started a new job start a new super fund associated with that job and then forget about previous super. So uh, it's good if you can keep one fund and, and move it with you. So if you do change jobs, 
you provide your new employer with the details of your previous fund and keep that fund uh, going with you. There would only be very limited circumstances where that wouldn't apply and that basically would be for government related jobs where there might be a specific uh, fund with specific arrangements maybe under legislation covering the employees in, you know, with that employer. Um, or if you worked for a, uh, an employer that had their own sponsored uh, employer fund which gave you a higher level of contribution. But otherwise, keeping one fund uh, and taking it with you will save a lot of pain and suffering uh, and avoid the need of having multiple accounts with multiple fees and potentially multiple superannuation cover that you're paying for that you don't need. Yeah, this specifically occurs with 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 young younger employers who, who you know might have a couple of casual jobs like my son, and and he goes from one to another, and, and everywhere he goes they just set up a new. If you don't put the superannuation choice form in, they just yep. put it into a default one. Of course. And so you end up with three accounts where you only need one. Yeah, or more. <laughs> there is a lot to know about superannuation, and I dare say, Ian Moranti, we will be um, plumbing the depths of your knowledge sometime soon again. Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard, and uh, thank you, Ian Moranti. And um, Thursday Finance will be back next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.